Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. With us is Bill Crystal with the Weekly Standard. And Bill, I think it's safe to say, not another great week for the White House or for Democrats. But how do you think the Senate elections for 2014 are really looking? You know, I thought the emblematic moment of the week, maybe it'll turn out to be the emblematic moment of the whole campaign, was Allison Grimes in Kentucky refusing to say for, what, 40 seconds, I think it was, at an editorial meeting whether she voted for the candidate of her party who was the president of the United States in the last two elections. It gives you a sense of how toxic they think President Obama is, if they're linked to him, certainly in, in red states like Kentucky, but I think you see it in, in purple states as well. Um, and it does make me think, if they're seeing in their polling that any link to Obama drags them down, uh, that's a pretty simple message for Republicans to link these Democratic, certainly the Democratic incumbents, to President Obama. In a funny way, the challengers have a better chance, I think, than some of these incumbents. And I think it, I think things are moving in a Republican direction. Uh, how moving? You know, it's interesting. I spoke to two smart guys yesterday, Sean Trendy and Weekly Standards' Jay Cost. And Trendy said, "Looks really good, just because there's so many Romney states, you know, that have races in them." Uh, Jay Koss was nervous. He said, you know, these close races, you know, it just makes me very, very nervous that we're going to see the Republicans yet again let things slip away. Where do you think we are? I think they're both right. I think <laughs> with competent campaigns and you know, not too many bad breaks, I think Republicans should pick up the Senate. And I think could do so with quite with a margin to spare. If I had to you know, predict right now, I kind of think we're heading towards nine or ten. To, towards a nine wow. or ten seat pickup, but that assumes they're not going to blow Kansas or South Dakota or Georgia. You know, they, right. which they could lose one or two of, obviously, the, the or Kentucky, I suppose. So that one looks okay. Uh, and it assumes they'll win pretty much all the Romney states, the seven states that Romney carried that have Democratic Senate incumbents, and that they'll pick up Iowa, probably Colorado, maybe New Hampshire, maybe one of the long shots like Virginia or New Jersey. So. Minnesota, for that matter, looks like it's in single digits. Um, I think people are underestimating. I'm, I'm on the bullish side because I do think these Democratic incumbents who are at 44 or even 47 or even 50 or 51 just are not safe in an anti-Obama and anti-incumbent mood. I mean, those two are going together in hurting the Democratic senators. It's, it's interesting. The places where Democrats have moved up in the last couple of weeks, if you think about it, are places where the Democrats aren't the incumbent, where they're either open seats or they're challengers. Right. And I do think that shows how strong the anti-incumbent mood is. Also, look at the Republican governors, who are in, are in more trouble than you'd expect in a pretty good Republican year. But that's, again, because they're incumbents. So I'm, I'm struck by the power of anti-incumbency, the sense that Washington is not working, obviously, the sense that the Obama administration has failed, which mostly helps Republicans, uh, but not in every case. Uh, if you're Pat Roberts, you're the long-term incumbent in Kansas, you've got to overcome that anti-incumbent sentiment. You don't benefit from it. But there are two trends that uh, have some people nervous. One is the fact that the polls have stayed so close in places like Arkansas, uh, uh, Georgia, where you would think that this would just be, you know, come on, Obama's unpopular. It's their red states. It shouldn't even be racist. And the second part, Bill, is the fact that uh, by every measure, uh, Team Obama out polled in the polling place with voters, their polling data leading up to it. In other words, voters came out of nowhere, voters that weren't, you know, weren't, weren't projected. And so if you've got a close race and you've got this Obama turnout machine, I think a lot of Republicans are pulling at the collar going, yikes, I, I don't know about this. 
Look, I think people are right to be nervous. I, I hope I think it's not really the Obama turnout machine this time. Hopefully it's a bunch of Democratic turnout machines, which I don't think are that much better than the Republicans. But I remain nervous about the technological advantage the Democrats, I think, do have. It, it should be less important in a, an off-year election where Obama's not on the ballot. And that, that's what turned out an awful lot of the people they were able to turn out. Um, the first thing... Uh, you know, I think they, the, the Democrats outspent the Republicans over the summer. I think they did a pretty good job of the spending. They scared a lot of voters. They suppressed sort of the natural Republican lead in a state like Arkansas. I think now the spending's evened up. The Republican candidates have adjusted some. They realize they can't. They need to uh, tie their Democratic uh, opponent, the Democratic senator, to Obama. But they also need to make the case for themselves, introduce themselves to the voters, and also have a little more of a substantive case for themselves. I still wish there were a little more of a positive agenda on the Republican side. But I, I guess my inclination is to think these states that are close, the Democrats have sort of kept them close, but that they're now going to move away. They're going to break open. I was talking to someone at this conference I'm at here in Salt Lake City yesterday who's very familiar with Wisconsin. For example, this is a governor's race, but I think it's somewhat indicative. I think Scott Walker was dead even two months ago, and it's, there was a huge assault on him over the summer, and he made a couple of mistakes probably. And now it's gradually opening up. And it's not going to be people who thought they'd wake up and see everyone up by 10, 20 points. That's not going to happen. But can you move from a, a, a even to two-point lead to a four-point lead to a six-point victory over the last six weeks of a campaign? Sure, you just pick up a point a week, right? And I kind of think that's what's happening in a lot of these states uh, in the Senate races. The House races, which in a way are a pretty good, maybe a better um, uh, indicator of what the national mood is, just because people know House candidates less, so they tend to move more generally, uh, you know, whether based on their general sense of how they want to vote that year. It does look like the Democrats are giving up in what were supposed to be very competitive districts for them. Where I live in Northern Virginia, they seem to have pulled the plug on, on spending more money there. Um, against, uh, I think Barbara Comstock will win. Elise Stefanik seems safe in New York 21. Um, I, I think this. I think it's going to be a bigger year than. Uh, people expect probably a bigger year than Republicans deserve, because then all the problems begin. Because then Republicans will control the Senate and the House, and God knows what will happen. But that uh, brings up an interesting point. Uh, the Wall Street Journal today has an article, President Obama plans on shutting down Gitmo despite Congress, you know, the will of the people, saying, no, you're not going to ship people back to the United States. And the word is, well, he'll find an executive order way to do it. Uh, the uh, Josh Ernest confirmed yesterday that the reason we're not doing the executive order on immigration now is because the president doesn't want to interject into the election. In other words, we're going to hide it until after the election. Uh, the same is true with uh, this Internet sales tax. I mean, the Internet tax, which is going to expire you know, in, in this series of things that are all going to happen after Election Day. Why aren't Republicans talking about the fact that if you keep the same team in power, here's what's going to happen, not from our lips, but from the team Obama's lips themselves? Well, they should be. You're absolutely right. I mean, they, they can have, make a forward-looking argument that you need, you need us there in Washington to stop President Obama from doing things, not just a backward-looking argument that look at these things that President Obama did and that the Democratic incumbent voted for that you don't like. So I agree totally they should be focused on these things. They should also make this a little more in the weeds, but they probably should be making an argument the leadership, Republican leadership should, that nothing so substantial will happen in the lame duck, that we're gonna, they're going to insist that... Uh, Serious policy measures be taken up in the new Congress, not jammed through by a bunch of uh, senators and congressmen, some of whom, many of them will be stepping down or retiring or have been defeated. Um, I think that forward-looking argument is important. And the one thing you mentioned, well, two issues, 
immigration. That's where the Republican elites, I think, are hurting the Republican cause, because the fact is uh, the president's immigration policies are unpopular, and Republican elites, unfortunately, like them to some degree. And so they're encouraging or discouraging Republican candidates from running on immigration. But every Republican who plays the immigration card, and it's a totally legitimate card, as you were just saying, there's a fundamental difference between the parties on this, um, seems to do well when he plays that card, and then it kind of goes away, because I think there's a lot of pressure on Scott Brown and others uh, not to talk as much about immigration. I talked to one candidate this week who says, incidentally, in his state, the polling was 70 to 20 on should there be a travel ban for West Africa. And that's a legitimate, uh, or for some countries there, it's a legitimate issue. Uh, you know, it's a public policy matter. The Obama administration hasn't been convincing in explaining why there isn't one. Uh, they're trying to intimidate everyone by making it seem as if you're some kind of know-nothing if you say, hey, wait a second, isn't this a better public policy? But again, that's the kind of thing I think a Republican candidate can say, this is why you need a Republican who will think for himself or herself in Washington, not someone who's just going to go along with the Obama administration. Which brings us to the last uh, thing, the Ebola issue itself, and that's a great uh, a point right there. I've been asking why uh, candidates for U.S. Senate aren't asking their Democratic opponents, do you agree with the Obama White House that we should continue to allow people to travel at their own will from Ebola-ravaged areas of the world straight to the United States? Do you agree with that? Seems like a legitimate question. Um, I just wonder, is Ebola in and of itself one part, you know, going to be part of the voting you know, rubric people go through? Or is it simply just another brick in the huge mountain of weight of this team you have in Washington really, really stinks at their job. Yeah, I think more, more the latter. I think they both aren't good at their job, and they have contempt for the American people. That's what I'm most struck by with CDC. It's an, I respect that organization. Most people there, I think, are you know doing good work for public health, probably. They have, they're infected some by political correctness. If you look at what they spend money on, some of it's really silly and stupid. But watching the director of CDC over the last two, three, four months, he talks to the American public as if they're either children or a bunch of dangerous yahoos who have to be given sort of uh, you know little drugs to keep them calm or else they're going to go crazy. There's never been a serious explanation. I've watched this guy on TV several times. I've looked for stuff he's written or said, uh, you know, quoted in the papers, but also you know, he can, the guy's capable of writing op-eds, presumably has staff who could help him. There's been no real explanation of their policy. There's just a kind of straw man invocation that if you think that, gee, maybe we should follow more traditional public health measures, uh, that you're some kind of yahoo, and that, you know, trust them, they know what they're doing. Well, I don't think that argument works these days that well for government bureaucracies, including CDC. And I think the sense that the Obama administration is full of people who think they know better than the rest of us and have been proven not to know better than the rest of us. That's an argument that Republicans really should hammer home these last few weeks. Yeah, talking about Gitmo, Ebola, and uh, immigration is a trifecta win that's just being handed to Republicans. The question is, are they smart enough to grab it? Bill Crystal, thanks so much for joining us. We appreciate it. Hey, my pleasure, Michael. You've been listening to the Weekly Standard Podcast. Please be sure to check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.